The New Orleans Pelicans beat the Houston Rockets, and this could be the game that gets them back on track for the ninth seed. I'll explain why in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans at NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of shows, and the Pelicans are back to their winning ways with a blowout victory over the Houston Rockets, 130-105, coming on the heels of a very disappointing loss to the Charlotte Hornets, 142-120. We're going to talk about both these games and some really impressive performances from the Pelicans and certain players in the game against Houston and why that game, I think, is going to be really important for the season and getting this team back on track. I'm taking a look at the scoreboard here. The Lakers just lost, so the Pelicans are only a game and a half back of the ninth seed with 15 games left to play. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, this was a good, you had two interesting performances, kind of polar opposites. And actually, over the Pelicans' last nine games, it's only been polar opposites. No game's been within 10. Blowouts on either side, either the Pelicans getting blown out or them blowing out their opponent. And on Sunday night, they got a much-needed victory to end a four-game losing streak. Again, 125, one, whatever, 130-105. There we go, 25-point win over the Houston Rockets. This game... Even though it's against the Houston Rockets, who are actively trying to lose and tank and to just get the number one overall pick and get a you know get the, get a blue chip prospect they can build around, it's still really important because we've seen the Pelicans kind of play down to their level of competition. It happened against the Orlando Magic, right? Even to a lesser extent, the Charlotte Hornets. They did not come out with any sort of energy whatsoever, and that's a big part of why they lost their, that game. And in both of those games, you really should have seen more dominant performances from a guy like Jonas Valanciunas, who's the first player I want to talk about. I'd said on Friday, they want to blow that team out. Let him go off. Find him. Make him be aggressive, and you'll win that game. The center play from Charlotte is just garbage. And he, he didn't do anything. I know there's the, the did Jonas Valanciunas have a good game Twitter account. He didn't in that game against Charlotte, 4 of 12 for 10 total points. They needed him to be the, the Jonas Valanciunas that we saw against the Houston Rockets. Again, neither of those teams had a center that were going to be able to handle him. So why were they not looking for him early on, getting trying to get him the ball, feeding him, and letting him just do work? And when the Pelicans and Jonas himself decided they were going to do that in Houston, or in the game against Houston, he was unstoppable. 32 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, a block, and just one turnover. He was awesome in this one, including a made 3 imperfect from the free throw line. When they want him to be the focal point, he can be, and it's an effective way to actually have them win games. They don't always realize this early on, and they struggle to kind of get him the ball. Again, part of it is you need people to be able to get him the ball, entry passes. But he also needs to really seal off more than he does. Get down low, put your back into your defender, put your arms out, and make it a big inviting place for someone to throw a basketball. And when he decides he's going to be aggressive like that, 
good luck trying to guard him. And it was nice to at least see them do that in this game. It's sometimes a reminder of like, oh yeah, you have this center who's, you know what? Like he's not an all-star level player, but he's damn good. Let him win you some games when you don't have Brandon Ingram or CJ McCollum. So it was really nice to see this team kind of get back to that, particularly in the second quarter, right? This game, they played down to the level of competition to start with and then made some adjustments after the first quarter and blew the socks off, the doors off this game. 39 points in the second quarter compared to just 23 for the Houston Rockets. They moved the ball, right? A lot of isolation play in the first quarter. They decided they wanted to go out and pass the rock and ended up with multiple assists, uh, significantly more than what they did. I'll pull the numbers up here in the first quarter. Only three assists in the first quarter, 11 for the Pelicans in the second quarter. An entirely different style of play. Valanciunas, by the way, 10 points in that quarter. It was like, oh, let's get the ball to him and let him do things. That's all you needed to do to beat an inferior team. So again, it's a nice reminder when you have a guy that can do that in a team that's like, yeah, let's go ahead and make that the reality. So good on the Pelicans for kind of seeing all that and making the adjustments to do it. And then other guys really stepping up in this one, right? 30 minutes for Jose Alvarado. We've been clamoring for him to kind of get that kind of run, play closer to starters minutes. And Willie Green obliged. And guess what? Jose was freaking excellent in this game. Double-double, 16 points, 10 assists. You could leave all that at the door, though. The more impressive thing was six steals. The Pelicans needed to stop Houston. They were going to be able to score, but for the first quarter, they were not getting stops. They were not doing anything they needed to do to be able to try and win this game. Jose Alvarado, all game long, an absolute pest. And then Dishy, he would get the steal, usually around the opponent's three-point line, right? which means he's already in fast break position so he can just make the right read to the right player and get an easy assist and an easy bucket for New Orleans. You're not coming from under the basket and watching the defense backpedal, putting bodies in your way. You're already on like a one-man fast break at that point. And he went out and truly executed. He was outstanding. He has games where he doesn't play well, right? That game against Memphis where John Morant basically just lit him up, right? He wasn't good against the Charlotte Hornets. There are stretches where he is not going to be a guy that you can play 30-plus minutes. But on those nights when he's feeling it or there's an advantage for him, and he was excellent in this one again, take advantage of that. And maybe it means he just needs to be in more of a rhythm with those minutes. But again, he's a little bit undersized, right? He's going to struggle against certain guards, certain lineups. But when you know you have an advantage with him or you know he's not a negative out there because of that stuff... He's a huge positive for the team, like a huge, huge positive for the team. And letting him remember, oh yeah, this is all the stuff that I can do after a couple of quiet games. A really important thing, I think. Because this means that when Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum come back, and this is going to be for Jackson Hayes we're going to talk about next, and then Trey Murphy in the third segment, you know, these guys are going to be going back to playing smaller roles eventually. Even Valanciunas, right? But it shows that they're capable of doing it. So one, they're going to have more confidence when they go back to their more normal role. And two, it means that if Brandon Ingram or CJ McCollum have an off night and those happen, they know they're capable of stepping up. And Brandon Ingram and CJ are going to know that these players are capable of stepping up. So that if they are off, get them the ball. They're going to be, you know, get, get, oh shoot, I'm Brandon Ingram. I'm having a bad night and it's okay. It happens. Let me just get the ball to Valanciunas and let him work. This is going to help them win. This is going to kind of remind this team who they are. Take care of business against a bad opponent like you should. 
It's a confidence-building win. And now you look at the scoreboard and go, oh, man, we just lost a bunch of games. And we're right in the thick of things to host a play-in tournament game. Yes, this game, despite it being a blowout win and what you should do, massively important, I think, for the team. All right, coming up, let's talk about Jackson Hayes. Then in the third segment, talk about Trey Murphy because both of them playing some excellent basketball right now. So that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. I'm trying to eat healthier this year. It's not always the easiest thing. We live in New Orleans. We just got through king cake season. And I love candy and sugar, but it's terrible for you. So when I need something to help me with that, Built Bar is my secret weapon. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market and it tastes like a candy bar. So when I have those sugar cravings, I take a bite of a Built Bar and I'm looking forward to it. It doesn't even think that you're like substituting something like healthy and unfun for the good stuff. Things are awesome. I have the trail puff bars here. I have the white chocolate raspberry cheesecake. I have the coconut brownie chunk. I love the mint brownie, which you can just get year round. It tastes like mint chocolate chip ice cream. And they have puff bars, which are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're light, they're not just a protein bar, it's a treat, and they're all covered in 100% real chocolate, they're all healthy for you. Low calorie, high in protein. Check out the macros on these, 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein on almost all the bars. Compare that to anything else, Bill Bar's going to win, and it's the best tasting. If you use protein bars, if you eat protein bars, you've got to give Bill Bars a try. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off over at built.com. Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. We're free and available five days a week, no paywall or anything like that. For your next listen, check out Locked On Now. The Locked On Now podcast has nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free, available wherever you get your podcast. You can't get the context from the box score. Locked On Now is going to give you everything you need to know about the games the night before in about like 10 minutes. It's awesome. And I'm on there whenever the Pelicans have a game and I do those quick video recaps. They get piled into a show. All of our hosts do them. It's great. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So we're looking at the Pelicans' big win over the Houston Rockets, 130-105. And Jackson Hayes... Had himself a freaking show in this one. This was like a one-man dunk contest. And some of the things he threw down, including on a fast break after a steal and a pass ahead from Jose Alvarado, by the way. In the fast break by himself, right? No one near him. Just taking the ball down the court. Jumps between the legs. Slam dunk. To be able to do that in a game is is tough, right? Like you might screw up, you end up on like not top 10 on sports center or something like that. To have the like audacity in a sense, right? To throw that down in a game, you got to be really confident. Jackson Hayes has never been short of confidence. We know that. But he's backing it up with his play. He was really good in this game. Again, I don't know if you can start him long term at the 4, if you can play him long term at the 4. He doesn't defend like a four, he can't really defend out in space. And when teams put their fours out there, you know, it's a league that has a lot of stretch fours. He really struggles. Houston was not really a team that was going to be able to do that. And he really succeeded in this game. 21 points on the night. He had two made threes. That's how good his night was going. 20, 21 points on eight shots. That's a freaking insane, insane number. Seven to nine from the free throw line. Six rebounds, two steals, one block. And that block was great. And we'll talk about that in a second. Just one turnover. By the way, I do want to mention Jose Alvarado's line of 16, 10, and six steals. Not one single turnover in that game. 
Yeah, I know. Let that one sink in, right? I was pausing for dramatic effect. But Jackson Hayes, excellent performance. They needed a guy to step up, right? You're missing 50-something points in Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. 21 from the young big man is definitely the way to do it. When you watch him play... You know, there's one way, word I would way I would describe it, and that's verticality. This guy goes up. Again, I've talked about how, yeah, you want spacing on the court when you have Zion out there, but I do think he is almost the perfect center if he can figure out some of the defensive stuff to pair, and if he can rebound a little bit better to pair next to Zion Williamson. No one's going to guard Valanciunas on the three point line. You leave him open, he'll shoot, and he may or may not make you pay. It's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. But, man, you put Jackson Hayes in the dunker spot, that spot right by the basket. So Zion drives, and Jackson Hayes, the other big man, right, his guy who's guarding him comes over to try and jump up and block Zion Williamson or contest Zion Williamson at the rim. You can try and dump the ball off to Jackson Hayes. That stuff doesn't always work. It can get lost in traffic. There's arms kind of flailing there. If you get him there, he gets an easy putback. But here's the other thing. What if you go up and over where there are aren't arms in the way and you can just throw that ball so far up and Jackson Hayes can go up get it and slam it down it adds you know there is a thing such as vertical spacing and Jackson Hayes is like the definition of that he's like the definition of a vertical spacing threat and you really saw it in this one man he gets high and can throw down all sorts of lobs we thought they threw it up high for Zion right look at what they do to Jackson Hayes I don't think there's anything he thinks he can't go up and get and throw down It's a really useful player to have. And then defensively, he's growing. Again, they couldn't really put him on the three-point line where guys could drive by him, but they did have him kind of in mid-range, and he's okay there. He got beat. I forget who it was. This was on the block play that he had. He got burned, and then he just turned around with his long go-go gadget arms and just swatted the ball into the rim when the guy took a shot. And it was a block, and it was great because he's able to recover like that because of the physical gifts and traits that he has. And so seeing him succeed in this role, this is a guy who off the bench, if he's your first sub, might really work. A guy that brings so much energy and someone that is really tough to account for that maybe you don't even do that. And just let him get lobs and things like that. I don't know how you're supposed to guard that, to be perfectly honest. But if you try to, you're sticking a man onto a big man that's not going to leave that big man because get him the ball anywhere. That's useful. It's like me. It's it's kind of the equivalent in a lesser extent, right? Of CJ McCollum and his shooting ability. They're putting two on him every time he touches the ball. Well, if you're sticking a guy on, on Jackson A's, that's one less guy that can rotate over. That's huge. That opens your offense up, and that's because of his verticality. And seeing him improve defensively is great. Making his free throws is a really big thing. So that if they start fouling him, it's going to make you pay. Going, what was it, seven of nine, something like that? Yeah, seven of nine. I'll take that number from a big man all day long. He's been really good. And when he's playing with confidence, that's a really important thing. And now when he goes back to whatever role, and he'll probably be starting the remainder of the season, you'd figure, but next year, he's going to go in with a lot of confidence knowing that he has a role carved out for him because of his play as a starter. And that means you probably put him in with the starters sooner rather than later in a game, which is only going to make his life better. Potentially better for a guy like Zion Williamson, who, by the way, the biggest thing I've I've been saying, right, that they could do is get him on this bench because the vibes are high around this team. Even when they're losing and not winning and they're in the midst of a losing streak, they were going nuts in this game, right? And Zion, multiple times you could see him on the bench. He's just mouthing, oh my God, right? Or just his look of disbelief because of the things his teammates are doing. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Get him happy being here. He he looks happy right now. He looks genuinely happy on the bench. They all do. That's huge, huge of trying to fix or hope that some of the ice melts between him and this organization. So it's really great to see him going nuts when Jackson Hayes is also doing just bonkers things out there. Very fun right now um, for the Pelicans. All right, coming up, Trey Murphy. Maybe the biggest development of them all. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by BetOnline.net. It's that time of year again. The college basketball tournament is finally upon us. So for the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one sports, uh, number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. And BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action over at BetOnline, BetOnline, where the game starts, BetOnline.net. All right, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Here Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. For your second listen, Tom Brady back. Hmm. The Saints supposedly interested in trading for Deshaun Watson. It's going to be an interesting time in the NFC South. That's all I can say. But the guy who's going to say it a whole lot better is Ross Jackson over at the Locked on Saints podcast daily. Breaking down everything you want. Black and gold Monday through Friday like we are here. No paywall. Completely free. Give it. uh, Make sure Locked on Saints is your second listen. All right. So we've got two games now where Trey Murphy has played like incredibly well. It, in one game, particularly against Charlotte, he said at that after that game, it was kind of like getting the monkey, the elephant off of his back was the phrase that he used, not monkey. He was awesome, <laughs> just flat out awesome on Friday against Charlotte. 28 minutes, 32 points, obviously career high, 12 of 20 from the field, 60%, the biggest number, of course. 7 of 12 from 3, 58.3%. Seven made threes for Trey Murphy. It's like summer league all over again here, right? Nine rebounds, two assists, no turnovers, and some pretty good defense at times. And then he follows it up with a different kind of game. So Charlotte, you know, he's getting his points because he was making threes, right? Like that was the biggest thing. He's draining threes. They were trying to find him. He was in a rhythm. He was feeling really good to the point that he took like a heat uh, heat check shot against the Houston Rockets early on and he I don't think he'd made a shot at that point maybe it had one and it was like wait a, wait a second here and maybe it was just a continuation from the Charlotte game a couple days later he's still taking a heat check you go 7 of 12 maybe you can do that he was awesome in that game that's the type of game that one will get you more rotation minutes in the future. You're going to earn some more minutes just based purely on that performance, and it's up to you to try and make the most of that. If you don't do that, it's not all for naught, let's say, but that's an important thing that you've got to try and take care of. And so I actually think he did it against Houston, even if he doesn't jump out of the box score for you. Just eight points in the game against Houston. 4 of 7 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. 4 rebounds, 2 assists. But I thought he was really good in this one. He wasn't doing it with his 3-point shot, but he was trying to score in other ways. And you saw him work baseline a lot in this one, right? To kind of be an option to get the ball. He got it on a handoff from Jonas Valanciunas, then went underneath the basket, put in for a reverse layup, and won. It was 
solid. I thought he missed the free throw on that. But I liked that he was trying to score in different ways and not just solely reliant on the three-point shot. Let me prove that I can contribute to this team in other areas. Yeah, show me that you're multifaceted and that you can do all of these things. And if Willie Green sees that and starts playing him more, that's a big thing. Look, he's not going to be playing 30-something minutes. He's not going to be playing 20 minutes on any given night when this team's healthy, when they have Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. But in the minutes that he does play, I want him to be confident because that's some of the biggest things that he could be doing. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the lights coming on or the game slowing down, right? We do this for every young guy. How many times over three years did we say that about Nikhil? You'd have two good games. Oh, it's all coming together for him. I'm not going to say that because this guy's still probably going to struggle. And I'm not going to tell you that he's going to all of a sudden be good. But I like that he's feeling confident enough in his game right now so that when he does play limited minutes again, he's not stressed. Like one of the biggest things I think with him, and it's, it's a thing for rookies in general, right? And this is not necessarily a surprise. You know, oh no, I'm only going to get eight minutes out there. So if I don't make the most of those eight minutes or I screw up once, I'm not going to see minutes again. So they try too hard. Let me rip threes. If I make two threes, they're going to play me more. Getting that out of his head, I think, can be a really big thing. And having a couple of games where he played well, I think, builds some confidence to just go out and do your role, right? It's like Jose Alvarado, knowing what he needs to be doing and doing that. Same for Trey Murphy. Know what you just should be doing and do it well. And don't stress about the other things. Two good games will do that, right? It'll give him probably a little bit of confidence in his role with this team right now. So he can go out and he can just play and do what he needs to do to help this team win, which is what he did against the Houston Rockets. And I thought he played well, obviously, against the Charlotte Hornets too, even if it didn't result in a win. But I think these type of performances are big. So when this team is healthy... He's a better player off the bench. Same for Jose Alvarado. Same for when there's an off night. It's like, let's get the ball to Valanciunas. And you can rely on Jackson Hayes now. These type of wins, even though it's, we're not going to read too much into it, right? Like it's Houston. They're bad. You play a little bit of defense. They fold. But there's some growth opportunities here that I think can be real. There's some confidence building opportunities that I think are real. And seeing that happen that's a thumbs up of approval right there that I'm giving. And I'm sure you're doing it too. So let me know what you thought about both these games in the comments on YouTube. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen every day. More to come. Phoenix Suns on Tuesday in the Smoothie King Center. That is a big one. And now for your second listen. Locked on NBA. Locked on experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And we'll be back with you all tomorrow.